0: Hello, I am Kevin Smith, and you have found The Terminator Training Show, your one-stop shop for no BS training, nutrition, and health information. For more, please go to terminatortraining.com. Thank you for tuning in, and enjoy the show. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of The Terminator Training Show. I'm Kevin Smith. Today's episode is going to be a bonus episode on how to train for special forces assessment and selection or sfas the kind of the reason for this episode is well there's a few of them i've been getting lots of dms Uh, i've been posting basically since i got out i've been posting some more stuff on how to prepare for special forces or or how to prepare for sfas selection uh, specifically and i've been getting a lot of dms about certain questions people have a lot of times based on like hearsay or even worse, they go on Reddit and see what people are saying about how to prepare for selection. And I had to go check for myself and see what was going on in there. And it, it's pretty wild. Um, so I'm not like saying that my way is the only way or my way is the best way to prepare for this kind of stuff. But some of the stuff that I've seen on Reddit is just wildly inaccurate. And you know, I, when I came in, I'll get kind of into my background and stuff like that, but when I came in, I, I didn't have access to any of this information. It was, it was very much a mystery. I'll get a little bit more into that, too. So we just kind of went, and, and we went through it, and some of us were successful, some weren't. So, I mean, knowing the information is the only part of the battle. You have, you have to go there and actually do the stuff. So... But, I mean, now that I am out, I'm fitness coaching, I have several clients that are candidates that are about to go to selection in the near future or the further out future. Um, so I figured I would just do this bonus episode and just talk about how I would train for, how I would prepare physically. I'm not going to get into like all the details of of it on a public podcast, but how I would train physically and physically prepare for SFAS. Because I've also seen programs out there. I mean, I've seen tons and tons of programs. I spent my entire career in special forces or training for it. And I've seen some absolutely ridiculous programs, Uh, a lot of programs. And and this goes for different programs as well, not just military and and selection train-up programs. But just a lot of programs have tons of stuff in them that just make you feel like you did a lot of work, but there's no way to actually monitor progression. There's no way to, you're going to be just training extremely hard just for the sake of training extremely hard, as opposed to training really hard, but also doing it intentionally and putting some thought into it and being a little bit more meticulous with your training. I'll get into this too, but You don't have to be all that meticulous with your training um, in order to be successful. But if you have the opportunity to and you wanna save yourself some pain and some uncertainty and unknowing of what's gonna happen, then it helps. I mean, it helps to have some sort of blueprint, some sort of outline where you can use your best judgment and kinda do the things that are required to be successful. So basically in this episode, I'm going to try and keep it kind of short, but no promises. Um, I'll do a little background, like why you should consider listening to my advice, what my SFAS experience looked like, how that went for me, um, physical attributes required, the, the main physical attributes that are required to be successful. I'll get into some things not to do, um, common train up mistakes, things like that. I will get into how long to train up. I will also talk about what to focus on in your training. I'll kind of show like a sample week of basically my SFAS program and what I think is a good way to set up your training week in general i am going to go over some standards and these standards are not like by the book like if if you're outside these standard ranges that doesn't mean you're not going to be successful but i mean in my opinion you i'll get into this too but you you want to be like more than just average um, so if you shoot for high standards then you're going to increase your chances of being successful i will talk about common reasons people get dropped from selection or don't get selected and i will also um just kind of wrap it all up and do a um a talk through of what i basically just talked about so let's hop into why i think that you should consider listening to this episode you should consider following my content i don't make 100 percent military related content but i do find it valuable and and i don't feel bad about it now that i'm out i didn't really talk much about it while i'm in you you're not really supposed to be active and have a big social media presence when you are currently in um i kind of did have a somewhat i definitely not a big social media presence but i had a public social media presence But I rarely, rarely talked about it when I was in. But I've been out for about seven, eight weeks now. So I feel comfortable talking about it. And I I feel like I can bring some knowledge and just some things to consider to the table. So I went to SFAS. And again, I'm going to say SFAS or selection. You can use those just kind of interchangeable. SFAS is just, again, Special Forces Assessment and Selection. It's just way easier to just say SFAS or selection. So I went when I was 22. I was an 18 x-ray. 18 x-ray is just a fancy military term or acronym, I guess, for your MOS. When you sign an 18 x-ray contract, you give yourself a chance to get a tryout for special forces so you give give yourself a chance to go through the sf pipeline and sf i'm probably going to say that several times too special forces Uh, and this is army special forces green berets um i am not going to talk about other selections because i just don't have i haven't been to um any other branch selections i have been one to one other army special mission selection but i'm not going to get into that on here but I was an x-ray, so I went to basic training, or OSIT, which is basic training in AIT, and then I went to airborne school, and then we got shipped up to Fort Bragg. And I had about uh, like six weeks, I'll kind of get into that in a second, but I had about six weeks to prepare for SOPSI, which is what you go to Special Operations Preparation and Conditioning. That's where 18 x rays go before they go to selection. It's a three week course to get you prepared. It's basically like a little mini selection um, just to get you physically prepared, better at land nav, and things like that. Um, so, I spent my entire year, my entire 12 years in the military training for going through the qualification course or serving in special forces. So, I mean, that's really all I. It, that's that's what I know. Like that's that's all I know. I don't really. I've never experienced the regular army, and so I, I don't really know. I, I do know like X rays have a physical training advantage somewhat over uh, non X rays people coming from units, just because it's you're you're basically given all the opportunities you can be given to physically prepare. Whereas if you're coming from the regular army. You go on exercises. You go out in the field, uh, depending on whether your command is supportive of you going to SF or not, giving you time to prepare. I think they should be. I think it's bullshit if they're not. But it's common. Some some people just don't get enough time or enough uh, leeway in order to go train sufficiently for it. And I think that's unfortunate. But it's kind of just how it is. But I will just I'll talk about train up just if you have the ability to train up, that's kind of what I'm going to get into. But basically I did not set up my own training plan for SFAS technically because we went to SOPSI, which they set up all your training for you and you just do what what you're supposed to do at SOPSI uh, for the three weeks prior. But I had the luxury of having about six weeks between the the end of airborne school and when i began sopsy to include like christmas break um i I finished airborne school the day before thanksgiving and i started sopsy in january so i had some time i did a lot of training i had about five percent of the training and human performance knowledge knowledge that i have now back then (laughs) so i just trained really hard and didn't consider all that much. I also just didn't know. So I just rucked and ran a lot and did a lot, Someone told me to do a lot of carries and that's what I did. And <laughs> I was successful. Um, I was a, a very small, I've been getting a lot of questions about am I strong enough? Like, Hey, are these weightlifting numbers, these weight room numbers enough for me to get selected? And in most cases it's yes, because when I went, I was six foot one, I still am six foot one, but now I'm about 195. I was about 170 pounds when I went, maybe not even, maybe even in the one sixties, I was very, very, very skinny and I was not very strong. Um, my i probably had a 225 pound back squat and it was probably ugly i had a 315-ish deadlift and it was probably pretty ugly i really didn't like do strength training all my workouts were mostly either cardio or they were like circuit style training where i would just do like sled pushes some olympic lifts also ugly uh lots of body weight calisthenics and things like that um, so like i was not very strong at all, but I was strong enough. Um, And I also was strong at the right things. I could carry things for a long period of time. Like even though I was pretty skinny, I just had like a a good amount of strength endurance, which I'll get into kind of some of the ways to build that in a little bit. But basically what I'm saying is, unless you're just like a a gazelle uh, elite endurance runner, that was my alarm. I set my alarm for 5.30 every morning. I almost never sleep till it, (laughs) but yeah, here we are. So unless you're like a elite endurance runner and you struggle carrying a ruck or you really, really are not strong at all. Like you can't even do like the ACFT events. You can't carry a somewhat heavy weight for long periods of time, then you're probably strong enough. You don't have to be a superstar in the weight room. So. Basically, when I went, I was this was like completely unexpected. I didn't not really know what to expect. I thought everyone was going to be like an elite athlete and like an all star. You don't have to be a former Division One athlete. You don't have to be a former triathlete. You don't have to be a former CrossFit Games competitor in order to be successful. Um, When I went, I won every endurance event. I was the top finisher in every endurance event. So basically like my, we did the APFT, the physical fitness test back then, which is just two minutes of pushups, two minutes of sit-ups and a two mile run. And then also pull-ups, max dead hang pull-ups. I did about 90 to hundred reps on pushups and sit-ups, which basically throughout my career, I would always get around that. Um, I did a ten fifty two mile. I was the, I probably won the two mile by at least 20 seconds. Um, and I did 20 dead hang pull-ups which is you know not elite but it's a solid rep count for pull-ups for for the graded events like the first week is all just like graded events rucks and runs my I was keep in mind like my height and weight back like I was very very skinny so I was a big time runner my 1052 mile that was the only the one of two times that I broke 11 minutes in the two mile in my entire career. So um, for reference, now my two mile, if I were to run all out two mile, would probably be like, I don't know, 1230, 1245. So nowhere near that. Um, And that's also not required. I'll get into some of the standards uh, here in a second, but basically I'm just telling you guys what my times were um what like the top finishing times were and it's always going to be different it some classes are going to be a bunch of studs some classes are going to be a bunch of you know very fit people but not super super duper fast and and speed is everything endurance is everything for this particular event so my five mile was 28 30 My six mile ruck was 47, 48 minutes. So eight minute mile pace. Um, You you use a 45 pound ruck for all these events. And my 10 mile was an hour 25. So pretty quick, pretty speedy. Um, Again, those were the top finishing times and you don't need to be. uh, And I also don't know if these were exact distances. They don't tell you, or at least they didn't when I went. So These were just what I was guessing based on my previous experience running known distances and that you have a watch, you have like a Timex watch. So based on your time, based on your previous experiences, you kind of can just guess that it was a five-mile run. There was like a three-mile run, a five-mile run-ish, and then a six-mile ruck and a 10-mile ruck. Uh, This could be, keep in mind, everything I talk about could be very different now, uh, I don't think it's going to be all that different, but it could be slightly different. So these are just kind of things to uh, consider. So the some of the things to consider also were that like I had no idea what to expect the entire time. Like I just like I said, just trained kind of haphazardly and without a lot of fitness knowledge, but. It just goes to show that if you train hard and you're smart about it, and if you're like me, like very skinny endurance, I, I just have a lot of slow twitch muscle fibers in my body, which makes me really good at endurance, but also is a nightmare when I, I have to work really, really, really hard to gain muscle. Um, over the past 12 years, I've put on about 23, 24 pounds of muscle. Um, and, you know, that's a it's realistic. It can be done. Uh, but I am by no means like a strength beast or a, a muscular, like my physique is through hard work and a lots of dedication because it's just, I genetically am way more inclined to be an endurance athlete. Um, and I'll get into some kind of some of the considerations just based on like what type of athlete you most relate to, uh, here in a little bit, but basically some of the things to shoot for as far as what you want, your running pace, rucking pace, and things like that to be near or be kind of like some goals, targets to shoot for. Obviously you want to do as well as you can in the ACFT, which i believe is like a modified acft hand release push-ups pull-ups a plank and a two mile i think that's it so if you can max those those things then you you want to be able to do that you don't necessarily have to win you don't have to come in the top five but if you max the acft you're off to a really good start And then if you can run seven minute miles, so a 35 minute, five mile, you're doing great. But even if you're 730 um, and you're good at some other things, then you, you should be fine. You gotta break 40 minutes for sure. I would aim to be well under that, but you don't have to be a elite runner. So, and then if you can hold like a 14 minute rucking pace, that's excellent as well. Like basically no matter how far you're going, for shorter rucks, you should be able to hold the pace faster than that. 11, 12 minute miles, solid. Um, but if if you're going longer, 10, 12 miles, and you can hold a 14 minute pace, you're doing well. And for some people, that's, I mean, if you're taller and you have longer strides and you practice ruck walking a lot, which I'll get into, um, you can do that walking. You can do a 15 minute pace walking and then maybe trot downhills and you're good to go. But... I highly would recommend not shooting for the minimums and shooting for uh, much faster times than these, really going hard and not trying to be the gray man. A lot of people say that it's great to be the gray man. You don't want to stand out. And I wholeheartedly disagree for that. with that. You don't want to stand out for bad reasons because you're unfit or you're just not a good team player or you have attitude problems or anything like that. But if you stand out for good reasons, you are increasing your chances of, you you want to do everything you can to increase your chances of getting selected. If they come down, if it comes down to the end and you're still there and they're deciding between you and maybe some other guy, like, are you on the edge or or not? You don't want that. You want to be a, a no brainer, basically, by the time you get to the end, like you definitely for sure crushed everything and you made it. That's my opinion. Um, some people don't have that opinion, but that that is definitely mine. So I would be able to shoot for those times. Um, and then also you, you need to do more than that. You need to be able to also carry a ruck, have a ruck on most of the day, every day, for three straight weeks. So it's not just being really, really fast in the first week. It's being able to walk and stand and move with a ruck on at a like kind of a slower pace like you need to be able to do that for three straight weeks you need to still have a lot of gas left in the gas tank by the time you get to the third week team week um or else you're just going to really struggle you're going to not be an asset you want to be an asset to your team you don't want to be a liability so being able to do that for a, a lot longer than just the first week is extremely important so some of the physical traits that you are going to aim to have for selection, a lot of people just try and train for every physical trait. And that's a good way to train most of the time. You want to be very well-rounded, but there's only specific things that are required at selection. So these include endurance, obviously, is number one, aerobic cardiovascular endurance is extremely important being able to ruck being able to run and like i said just being able to wear a ruck all the time strength you want to be strong but you don't have to be superstar power lifter strong you need to be able to crush the acft and you need to be able to carry things both in your hands with a ruck basically anytime you carry anything you're going to have a ruck on and if i remember correctly the weight towards the end starts to increase. So you're 45 pounds most of the time, but towards the end, I believe the weight increases. So you might get up to like 55, 60 pounds towards the end. So you wanna have the ability to carry things in your hands, whether it be one hand, like a suitcase carry, carrying ammo cans, or helping your buddies carry a big log, basically low carries, um, farmers' carries carrying things on your back so like sometimes you're gonna have to make a apparatus that you have to carry with a bunch of dudes um at the same time and like kind of put it across your back odd object carries uh being able to do that as well but you don't have to be a you don't have to have a super heavy squat you don't have to have a crazy deadlift you don't have to bench press at all um As long as you can do those things, you're, you're going to be fine. Uh, and that kind of goes hand in hand with muscular endurance. So not only do you want to be able to carry heavy loads, but you want to be able to carry moderate loads, but just for a very, very long time because you're just going to be walking and walking and walking and just kind of trading off with, with your buddies. So being able to, you know, carry a ammo can or a water can for several hundred meters at a time is also important so like arm grip muscle endurance very important and then obviously like leg muscle endurance and structural endurance just so you can carry a ruck forever that's gonna come hand in hand with your endurance your cardiovascular endurance training as well Uh, durability is huge as well like i said like if you're going into last week beat up and you're already smoked um, or i'll get into this later but if you're going into selection kind of beat up from your train up then that is not ideal you want to be able to last it's one thing to train for a two-day event a three-day event but it's another thing to train for a three-week event and be able to last throughout the entire time without being too banged up to even continue so you also have to have a little bit of mental resilience and the ability to endure some smoking Um, like you're going to get smoked a little bit not a ton basically just doing physical activity for the sake of doing physical activity when I went, there was like one day of that. So, and I, I would assume it's pretty similar now. But for that kind of stuff, I get this question sometimes too. Like, how do I train for it? That's the kind of stuff you don't really train for. You don't need to do a bunch of duck walks, do a bunch of burpees, do a bunch of stuff. You, you kind of just handle that when it when it comes to you. There's, it, they're not. It's not a competition. Like, they're not going to say like, do a hundred burpees. Whoever gets done fastest is like the winner or anything like that. And I'm not saying to be like a shitbag bag and, and half-ass it in this particular school and other schools, you should do that. But you, you, it's not a competition. You don't have to be like the best person at bur- the burpee mile or anything like that. So I personally recommend not training for that. And if you do all the other things that I'll talk about later, then you're, you're gonna be fine with that. You're gonna be prepared and you'll be good to go. Candidly, I did a shit ton of burpees back in the day. Um, and because i thought they were like the greatest exercise ever but again i had like five percent of the fitness knowledge i have now and i'm sure my shoulders would probably feel better today if i didn't do so many burpees as a as a youngster but anyway i was resilient back then and got away with it i have not done a burpee in several years um and i continue i'm going to continue to keep that streak alive but you may have to do some at selection don't need to train for it um some things you don't need, some physical traits that are great to have in general, but don't need to necessarily be focused on. You don't need to be able to jump super high. You don't need to be able to do Olympic lifts. You don't have to be super powerful. You don't have to do power lifts. You don't need to be able to do the perfect burpee. Um, You don't need to be shredded or jacked. Uh, Probably being shredded and jacked is a... If anything, going to be detrimental, you don't want to be like really, really lean going in. They don't deprive you of food that much, but I mean, you're still going to be in a calorie deficit every day. You're still probably going to drop weight. So if you go in there looking like a bodybuilder, you will probably struggle and nobody really cares. Now, that being said, you also don't want to be like super chubby because that's just not good for performance. But I would say anywhere between like 12 and 15% body fat is pretty solid. If you're a little higher than that, no worries. If you are a beast and genetically gifted and you can feel really good at 10% 9% then that's that's fine but it's you don't want to be crazy lean. I was very very lean when I went I had no muscle basically no no body fat and I probably would have done a little bit better towards the end if I had been chunked up a little bit. So some of the mistakes made training up, I'll get into. Um, these are just things I've seen over the years helping people prepare or helping people prepare for the second time after they did not get selected the first time and they probably messed up something in their training that led to it. Um, just because the little information there is about this out here, uh, out there is a lot of it is just poor information. So it's very common to make these mistakes training up. I absolutely made mistakes training up um, and got away with it. But if you can avoid them, then even better. So some of the mistakes, non-specific training, just doing random workouts that make you feel tired, that make you feel like you worked really hard, but don't really get you prepared for the actual things you're gonna have to be doing at selection. So like Olympic lifting, Metcons, squat bench deadlift, like really heavy, Not nothing wrong with doing a squat movement, a bench or pressing movement and a hinging movement. And you absolutely should do that as part of your train up because those are just basic strength, fundamental movements. But like you don't have to be going and doing like high, high power lifting totals at all. So, and like a lots of non rucking and running conditioning. So like a bunch of swimming, a bunch of biking, a bunch of other stuff, um, you can do some of that for sure, and I recommend it. I have it in my program, but most of your training should be more specific. Um, on the flip side to that is training specifically for selection for too long. Uh, I will get into like how long you sh- you should consider training up just depending on your ability level in a second, but. Some people train for way too long for selection-specific things. They they start ruck running way too early. They start uh, not lifting weights and kind of ditching their gym routine and just doing endurance kind of stuff. And they do it for too long and it beats them up and they show up already beat up. So there's a certain amount of time that you want to focus on selection-specific training, and then there's a certain amount of time that you want to focus on general aerobic base building and kind of pre-selection specific training and that will depend on a few factors that i'll get into but yeah you don't want to just start way too far out next one is uh, poor intensity poor intensity management just going way too hard all the time and if you follow a lot of sfas programs it's in my opinion just way too hard for most people for most average people or even above average people and just going way too hard just because you're you're training for something that's going to be really really hard is not the best approach so it's just going to beat you up it's just going to fatigue you it's not going to get you fit it's just going to make you extremely smoked and fatigued and tired all the time so managing intensity is highly important um, and on that note, like following a lot of the SFAS programs that are out there or the tactical athletes, SF train up, whatever uh, selection prep programs, a lot of them have like no progression. They have random exercises. They have lots and lots of metcons, but sm- just smoke sessions. Basically, you're, you're going and smoking yourself uh, again. You don't need to physically train and prepare for the things that you're going to be smoked on. And If you're in the army, you know what smoking means. It's basically just means you're doing a bunch of exercises, whether you do, did something wrong or not. It's it's a way that it's it's a way to discipline soldiers if they do something wrong. You smoke them, um, but it, you don't have to prepare for that. You just deal with it when you're there, uh, and then just non specificity. So, like I said before, just doing a bunch of uh, non selection specific things that build your fitness, perhaps, but not your selection specific fitness next one is not tapering not dialing back your training in the last couple of weeks and showing up super banged up i'll get into how to do a taper here in a bit but if you show up banged up if you're already you know fatigued if you already have joint pain if you're already just like over training or, or overreaching and you don't taper then you're not going to have a good time you might do well in the first couple of days but you're going to soon burn out another thing that people just tend to do is doing a ton of like recovery and mobility, like focusing mostly on recovery and mobility, but not really training hard. So like you don't have anything to recover, you don't have much to recover from, and you're doing all this mobility. Mobility is certainly important, but it shouldn't be the brunt of your training. Uh, Most of your training should be like lifting in a full range of motion and doing your endurance train up properly and getting lots of sleep, getting great nutrition and not really, you shouldn't be spending hours per day focusing on mobility. Uh, ten, in my observation, people who tend to do more mobility than actual training, they are actually more um, prone to injury. It's kind of like this weird, coincidental, ironic thing, but that's just what I've seen. People who are just, they spend 45 minutes w- warming up and then they spend 30 minutes lifting, That, in my experience, just makes you more prone to injury where you should spend, you know, 10 to 15 minutes warming up and or if if that and then the rest of your time training and do a little bit of mobility throughout the day for sure, just to feel good and keep your joints moving the the way they should and building up your stability and resistance to injury. But it doesn't have to be overdone. And then some people just, like, don't train at all. They think they're showing up for, like, Boy Scout camp. That's pretty uncommon, I-, I would say, especially these days because there's information on it. But you'd be surprised. I mean, you're probably, when you if you go, you're probably going to see some guys that you're like, dude, did you even know, like, what you were coming to? Because it's bad. Um, <clears throat> and if you're an 18x-ray and you haven't joined, you haven't gone to basic yet, you're going to show up to basic and just be blown away by some of the, lack of fitness of people, not necessarily 18 x-rays, but just people that are going to basic training. Uh, there was a guy in my class who could not do five pushups the first day. And he ran like a 1731 mile. We did a one mile run as our first PT test. So it'll blow you away. It's, it's really crazy, but no one's going to show up to selection like that, but there will be some unfit people that like literally didn't prepare. So let's get into how to train up um again this is just the way i would do it for most people Uh, it's not the only way and there are other people who have plenty of knowledge about this but there are also like i said there are plenty of there's a lot of misinformation and poor ways to train up so the way i would do it is really it kind of depends on the person and like I said earlier, if you have a tendency for endurance, if you have an, a tendency for strength and power, if you're like a really fast sprinter, if you can jump super high, or if you're just not athletic. Some people are just not athletic at all, but you can still be successful at selection if you are not athletic, if you train up properly. So I kind of split them into a few categories. There's the endurance monster who is also strong enough this is like the ideal candidate. So this is kind of what I was. I was very good at endurance. I wasn't super strong by any means, but I was strong enough for the things I needed to be strong at. Uh, this type of person does not need a long train up at all. Uh, some of these people, like there are guys out there that could literally get told right now that are going to selection next week and they would they would pass it. Uh, so it's, it's kind of rare, but I would still recommend training up for like four to eight weeks. Uh, y- This person, you're assuming they already have a very, very good aerobic base. They can already, you know, they're already running 30 to 50 miles per week. They already can move with a ruck on. They already do carries. They do all this stuff in your, in their regular training program. I would still recommend, you know, giving it at least a month, maybe two months of, of dedicated specific selection, specific train up, which I'll get into in a bit, but they don't need to start training way, way out. That's kind of like the ideal selection candidate. It's also just less common that people are like that. So a strength, someone who's like a strength beast, like very, very, very strong, potentially a former college football player or someone who just lifts a lot of weights, can can move a lot of weight, has a lot of muscle mass, but maybe isn't great at endurance. This type of person, I would recommend starting to build your aerobic base. So not selection specific training, but like starting to build your aerobic base by doing more runs and more rucks six to 12 months out from selection, just depending on what your times are right now, your run and ruck times. So again, you're not like ditching the gym. You're not only running and rucking and doing ACFT stuff. But you are starting to focus on building that aerobic base. That way when you start selection specific train up, you have something to work on and or you have something to work off of. You have a starting point. You're not just starting three months out and building from nothing, if that makes sense. So those guys are actually pretty common. Usually those guys are really good at rucking because they're just so strong, and but not great at running unless they really work at it. Um, And then you have an endurance beast, but relatively weak. So think like a former college track athlete, a former triathlete, someone who's just a can run and potentially ruck forever. But a lot of times these guys are super fast at running, but struggle with rucks because of the weight. So they too should probably start training six to 12 months out, but in a different way than the strength beast. Potentially, uh, this person will do endurance maintenance, maintain their endurance. Not, you know, get super slow. But for this person, it's it's really easy to do that, just because they're genetically gifted in that area. So they really want to start building their strength, their ability to ruck, their ability to carry things, and things like that. And then you have the non-athlete, uh, just no one, like someone who's not gifted at anything in particular they should also start probably training strength and a mixture of strength and endurance six to 12 months out. And these time frames are just what I think you can definitely start building that aerobic base earlier than that. Like if you just have permanently, if you enjoy doing endurance training and you're constantly have a good aerobic base, then that's great. Um, you don't necessarily need to start that far out, but those are like the kind of people that, have the potential to go to selection and do well and that's how long they should start building aerobic base not necessarily selection specific training selection specific training unless you are the first guy i mentioned the endurance but also strong person you generally i recommend training selection specific stuff rucking running kind of tapering your weight room time or at least changing the way you approach your weight training to more carries full body strength, but not doing super heavy stuff. I would say anywhere from four months to three months, eight to 12 weeks, potentially maybe out to 16 weeks uh, is a good sweet spot for that. My program, SFAS program is 12 weeks, um, but you can certainly train longer than that or a little bit longer than that, but you can also train less than that. The, the downside of training selection for selection specific events for too long is ruck running and just doing tons and tons of rucking and tons and tons of running can beat you up. And it's also just, it's not necessary. Like it's not enjoyable. If you do it right, it's not fun training. So there's nothing wrong with just keeping your normal weight training until you're, you know, eight to 12 weeks out and then kind of switching to more selection specific stuff for a little while, uh, anyone can really do that for two, three months and survive. Uh, and I'll get into my program in a second, but it's not super fun. Like if you do it right, your train up is not all that enjoyable. I think a lot of the programs put a bunch of random workouts in because they're more enjoyable and they're harder and they feel fun. But again, like basics, the basics work really, really well for everything. Basically you need to be able to, crush rucks runs acft with pull-ups the modified acft with pull-ups lots of carries lots of full body strength uh other things that you should include in your program potentially uh, if you have a tendency for lower leg or knee issues so think shin splints uh, foot stress fractures knee pain things like that just lower leg maintenance so tib raises calf raises backward sled drags and strengthen your strengthen your hamstrings things like that that'll just keep your lower legs a lot more resilient and that can be done with low intensity high volume like very fre- frequently and then a little bit of non impact cardio so basically every so often you want to give your structure a break and there are a couple things that a couple cardio machines that carry over very well to rocking in my experience and those are the jacobs ladder and the step mill so i recommend if you do your non-impact training to shoot for using one of those two things or switching back and forth but you can really do whatever you'd like um, and be fine so Basically, a training week, if I were to put it together, which I mean, I have in my program, but here's this is kind of like what I would do for splitting up a training week. Uh, There are multiple different ways to skin this, but in my head, this is what makes the most sense. This is what I put in my program, and people have been following that and enjoying it and having success with it. So, Monday, I'm just going to do a seven day week. Uh, You can start training whatever day of the week you want, but to make it easy, we're just going to start with Monday. So Monday would be a, a run improvement day, so repeats and some ATF, ACFT stuff. So 400-meter repeats, 800-meter repeats, 1K repeats, mile repeats, whatever Whatever you struggle with the most. So if you struggle with like a two-mile run, you want to keep your repeats a little shorter, 400 to 600 to 800 meters. If you struggle with longer distance, then you want to consider doing some longer... Um, Repeats, 1K repeats, mile repeats, and things like that. Some people are really good at like a two mile, but like when they get past three miles, they start falling off. And those that's when longer repeats can come in handy. So you want to, a lot of people mess these up too. You really want to consider the word repeat. You want to be able to repeat your effort every time you do it. So if you're doing eight 400s and you go all out on the first one, all out on the second one, you're just gonna get slower and slower every time. That's not a repeat, and you're also not going to get better at running because you're just going slower and slower and you're fatiguing the hell out of yourself. So, I generally like to do most repeats at whatever goal pace that you have. So, say you run your goal two mile is 12 minute pace, you would do your repeats 400 meter repeats at 130. So, that's the two mile, uh, your goal two mile pace. You can speed that up as well, you can get a little faster, but you also just want to make sure that you're not just getting slower and slower with every time. And then ACFT stuff, pretty simple, just practice hand release push-ups, pull-ups, maybe a plank if you struggle with plank, but that's just pretty easy. For the rest periods on repeats, I like to start with a one-to-one work to rest. So if you take a minute 30 to do your 400, you rest a minute 30 and then you can manipulate either the speed or the number of repeats you do or the distance of repeats you do, or you can manipulate the rest periods as you go through. Um, that's what my program does. It manipulates a few different variables. I don't recommend manipulating like two or three of them. All, like each week, I just recommend kind of focusing on one per week and going from there. But Tuesday, a just like a full body upper lower uh, lift, doing joint friendly exercises, some, a lot of single leg stuff, not super heavy, high percentage of your one rep max, high RPE stuff, probably in the six to 12 rep range mostly. And you're just hitting, you're just brushing up on every body part just to keep a good base of full body strength. You are not trying to like go and get super jacked. Um, It's just not necessary. And then potentially some recovery cardio, or if you struggle with rucking, you can potentially do a heavy ruck that day just a heavy, slow ruck and walk the entire time. It'll just get you, if you if you struggle having a ruck on all the time, doing spending more time during train-up wearing a ruck, not necessarily doing hard ruck runs, but just wearing a ruck, that will help you build your uh, tolerance to that kind of stuff. So Wednesday, I call it weightless Wednesday. It's a non-impact day. You're doing long zone two, jacob's ladder or Stairmaster or whatever cardio you'd like i would say anywhere from i think my program starts at like 60 minutes and goes up to 90 minutes Uh, you can go longer than that if you want to these are like very low stress i mean they're boring and hard but they're also like pretty low stress you can kind of do that stuff forever and it'll just help your recovery as long as you stay in zone two and keep your intensity low thursday A heavy slow ruck so anywhere from like six to i would say four to ten miles just start obviously you're starting you're starting low and building up on it over time and you can wear anywhere from like 50 to 60 maybe 65 pounds and again you're just walking Um, you want to throw in some carries as well too you can throw in carries on your full body lift day on tuesday you can also throw in some carries after a ruck And I mentioned the carries earlier, multiple different forms of carries, Uh, single arm suitcase carries, uh, farmer's carries, odd object carries, just rotate what you do and get really good at them. For the most part, you, you don't have to do super heavy stuff. Just I would kind of focus on doing moderate weight and longer carries. Friday would be a another full body day. I like to recommend lifting full body twice per week. But if you're very weak and you're already really good at endurance, you can kind of add another full body day in or you can even do four days per week upper or lower. It's, this is kind of just for the average person. You don't need to be crazy strong. Uh, you're just kind of at this point, you're just kind of at strength maintenance. You're not trying to gain a bunch of strength in the last couple of months before you go. If you haven't done that yet, that's why I recommend if you're weak to start you know, building that strength well before you actually start specifically training for selection six, 12, 18 months out. Then Friday, uh, oh, and also a tempo run on Friday. So a tempo run or a fartlick run. basically, you are running, it's basically this is to prepare you for a five mile run or whatever. you're you're running at a comfortably hard pace. You're not going super anaerobic. you're kind of staying at that threshold line, but it's also much harder than zone two. And you can also do a uh, a fartlek run where you alternate different speeds. You can mess around with both of those. but My program has each of them just depending on the phase. And a tempo run is a little bit more mentally stressful than a fartlek run. Fartlek runs are actually pretty fun because you just, you, you know, you're going to, even if you're going hard, you know, you're going to be able to slow down in a second and recover. So both of those are highly effective and great. And then Saturday would be a long ruck, a long ruck run. You can also do that tempo run the day prior. You can move these lifts around or these sessions around just based on like how your week is structured. But Saturday long ruck, or you could do Saturday off if you're smoked from the tempo run and do a long ruck on Sunday. That's also another option. Or you can kind of alternate weeks back and forth. I do like doing it the day after the tempo run because... Doing a long ruck on fatigued legs occasionally is a good idea because when you're at selection, you're going to have fatigued legs after the first couple of days. So if you can crush a long ruck with already fatigued legs, you're going to be doing great. However, you also want to consider recovery and not overdoing it. So listen to your body kind of thing and uh, you should be good. Long ruck. Usually I recommend most people at least every other week do a good amount of ruck running uh, just one day of ruck running you don't necessarily have to however i certainly did when i prepped and if you can recover from it and know that like ruck running is not the best thing for you but it's also when you're trying to get selected it is gonna really increase your chances of being able to because if you never practice ruck running and you get to a timed event you ruck run for the first time it's going to be a rough day for you. So a lot of these rucks, I would say like first half of it, mostly walking, or you can just walk the downhills and the flats and, or run the downhills in the flats and walk the uphills, which I would recommend for the most part anyway, rucking uphill, uh, ruck running uphill can be very fatiguing. So that would be the Saturday. And then I would just continue to do similar weeks to that, obviously with progression, build on it each week. Potentially take a deload um, when you're five to six weeks out. That's probably a good idea. My program has a deload about six weeks out and Doing that will just where you just you're basically for a deload You're reducing the volume and or the intensity and you're giving your body a rest You come back into the next week and you're just ready to roll. Also. It's just good for like a mental break as well so that, that program is not perfect for everyone, not even close. Um, there are some options that you can kind of make some adjustments to it just based on your abilities. If you suck at running, you can throw an extra run in or two. If you suck at rucking, you can throw an extra ruck in or two. If you are weak, you can throw more lifting in. If you are uh, really, really good at running, really, really good at rucking and but you struggle with strength you can make it a three day split or upper lower four day split totally all those are options um you just kind of have to like manipulate the intensity and some of move some of the workouts around but that's generally like a good base of a program so additionally once you get towards the two 10 day out to two week out mark that's when you want to consider tapering. You're not going to make a lot of adaptations in 10 days or two weeks. A lot of people will wait till it's too late and really turn up the intensity in the last couple of weeks. And if they were to do that and then take a couple weeks off or a couple weeks of tapering, they'd be great. But they do that right, leading right into selection. So when they would benefit from a week off, they're doing all of their hard, Gated timed events and that is a poor way to structure it. So you're making all your adaptations. You're making all your fitness gains Way out and then the last couple weeks you are tapering so that you can allow your fitness to surpass your fatigue that you've built up and You show up to selection very very fit, but also very very fresh fit and fresh you want to show up fit and fresh so a taper Again, like 10 days, maybe two weeks, you are dialing back the volume, definitely. Uh, Potentially the intensity, but I I personally like to keep the intensity high. I, I personally like to have, keep doing like fast runs, fast rucks, but just way less volume, significantly less volume. Probably like the first taper week, half the volume that you did, In your week prior and then the the next taper week potentially a third of it or a quarter of it like very little you want to stay moving you don't want to just taper and sit still and do nothing but you you certainly want to give your body some time to recover so your your hardest session should not be five days before you go or three days before you go absolutely terrible idea um a lot of people do that but it's it's not a good idea at all so I'm going to get into a couple of reasons why people get dropped without getting into too many specifics. But obviously if you're slow um, and you lack fitness and you're coming in the back of the pack on all of the week one events, then you're not giving, you're not setting yourself up really well to, to do well. Another reason, injury. Some people get injured because usually they show up banged up, but also bad luck happens. I mean, you're out, uh, walking around at night in the woods with a ruck on, you can't see anything, you don't have nods on, and there are some hazardous places to step, to, to say the least, in that area when you're doing uh, land nav training. And on that topic, a lot of people get dropped from land nav, they can't find their points, or they don't have the fitness required in order to be able to get to their points fast enough. Um, You need to be able to, this is really important that a lot of people overlook. You need to be able to walk fast with a ruck on. If you're running the entire time of land nav, other than if you're like way lost and you have to make up a ton of ground, if you're running from point to point, you are not doing yourself, uh, you're doing yourself a disservice because you're just going to smoke yourself. If you're accurate with your land nav and you walk and you can move fast with a ruck on, that's why it's important to do non ruck runs and do walks we're just stepping it out and working on your walking pace um you're it's going to benefit you tremendously to be able to do that but obviously like some people just they're hopeless at land nav. they can't find their points it doesn't matter how fit they are uh, and that that's a very common reason to get dropped next one if you're terrible team player, uh, if you have a bad attitude, if you are not, if you don't step up and take the lead when you are supposed to, or if you are arguing with teammates or if you're not carrying your weight, basically being a shitty teammate, that's going to get you dropped. Um, or a non-select, uh, because your peers are not going to rate you well, the cadre aren't going to rate you well, and no one wants, you want, you want assets, you don't want liabilities. So Also, like some people, uh, the last thing that gets people dropped, they just kind of skated by. They stayed under the radar the entire time. And like I said earlier, they get to the end and they're like, hey, does anyone know anything about this guy? And if you were a super gray man and never did anything outstanding and was just like average to below average the entire time, but you hung on to the end, which happens, uh, you'll be a non-select. And we don't want that. That would suck to have to go through the entire thing and be a non-select. Usually you get invited back, but I personally wouldn't want to do it again if I didn't have to so all that being said let's wrap this up um, you want to train hard but you also want to train smart. you want to show up physically and mentally ready. it's not a very difficult overwhelming course. Uh, you don't need to be great you don't need to be an all-star you need to be good enough it helps to be at the front of the pack or towards the front of the pack but it's not required. Um, and it does. You want to be stand out for good reasons. Being a gray man, you still may get selected. That's fine. Better than not getting selected. But in my opinion, you want to stand out for good reasons. So, if you need help um, doing this, send me a DM. Uh, about half of my clients right now are soft candidates. They're prepping for selection, and I do have an SFAS program that you can purchase and follow that. And that will get you ready. Basically the week I talked about, that's very similar to the week, uh, each week in my program and people have had success with that. It's probably going to look very different than any other SF program that you've ever seen, but it's, that's for a reason. Like it, it, I put a lot of thought, a lot of time into it. And, um, not only am I like, did I do this for 12 years, but I also have been obsessively studying human performance and practicing things on myself, helping people's prepare for sfas and also other smu selections with pretty good success rate so like i i know everything i put in there is for a reason like lots of thought went into it and it's in order to get you prepared for the things that you need to be prepared for so if you need any help if you need uh any direction you're welcome to dm me or send me an email or whatever um, you'd like My Instagram handle is terminator underscore training, and I am happy to steer you in the right direction. And if you're interested in coaching, that is an option as well. We can chat about that too. So anyway, I hope that was an informative episode and I hope you guys got something out of it. And I will be back soon with another podcast show. And until next time, Terminator out. Thank you for listening. If you like this show and want to start crushing your goals, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And for more fitness content, follow me on Instagram at terminator underscore training or check out my website, terminatortraining.com. All right, guys, Terminator out.